Hi, I'm Anthony Sharon, pastor of First Assembly of God of Greater Lansing, better known as GL First. I hope this message connects you to God's Word and His vision for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. We'll feed you donuts. We're, you know, we're not above bribing people to do the right thing, okay? Get involved with Easter. Uh, speaking of which, uh, last week I handed you guys uh, some cards that say you matter. How many of you guys received those cards? Okay, how many of you guys handed those cards out? If you're online, just click I did or something. I don't know if there's a button that says I did, um, but figure it out. Just type it in there. You can do that. Well, today we have more cards for you to hand out. Somebody say amen. God is so good. And he, he loves when we use trees to further the gospel. No, I'm just kidding. But um, next week we're starting a new series <clears throat> entitled Love Wins. And I wanted to start a series on Easter so that the people that we invite to come to Easter, because we're excited about Easter, we want people to come to Easter, right? Um, then they won't be missing something. It won't be like coming in the middle of a series. It won't be uh, coming at the end of a series. I figure we'll start the series that Sunday and move it on. And the series that we're going to do is uh, Love Wins. And it starts with the Easter story. And it goes into, we'll talk about um, our past our present and our future in the weeks after that. So uh, I think it'll be a good uh, grounding uh, series for us to really just launch uh, our Easter season with, all right? Not only that, we do have uh, an Easter egg hunt after church, but that's for the kids, okay? You guys don't get to participate in that, okay? But I do have something special for all of you, all right? Do you want to know what that is? Are you guys excited? Okay. So I know that restaurants are opening up again, and so I'm going to grab a couple uh, dinner uh, gift cards, and new people will have a chance to win. But not just new people that come in, okay? I figure I'd give away two to uh, some, some new people with the whole little raffle after church, and I'll give away one for our regular people, normal people. I don't know what you call us. Normal Abnormal people. <laughs> All right. So this is how you can invite people. You can uh, just say, hey, here you go. You don't even have to say much. But if you do, let me just tell you that the biggest way to invite people to church is, is to invite people that you know. Okay. And because I think the most uncomfortable thing about going to any place that's new is trying to find relationships within a group of people that are already established, okay? And so if you can invite them, tell them to sit by you, you know, six feet distance or whatever, sit in the row in front of you and you'll throw uh, stuff at the back of their heads or whatever, okay? Um, but just invite people and, and tell them that you look forward to seeing them and then look forward to seeing them. It's that simple. Anyways, pick up some of these, drop some of them off. We want kids to come. We want uh, adults to come. We want everybody to have a good time. We will present the gospel, and I believe that lives will be changed. Amen? 
All right, now this morning, this morning it's uh, Palm Sunday. Can you hand me those palms? Christina, my lovely Vanna White. There we go. Thank you, dear. Anybody know what these are? Are they really? Then you guys are just guessing because it's Palm Sunday. But they're actually, what, banana leaves, I think, okay? But they're close. They're related to the palm tree, I was told, okay? And so we're going to put these back here just because we're going to go over this story of uh, Palm Sunday and talk about the triumphal entry. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And so we're going to illustrate that story a little bit and just talk through it and out of this, I believe that you'll understand the importance for obedience. Not only that, but you'll understand how faithful God is in the things that he tells you to do. Now, it starts way before all of this. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, real quick. This is the smartest thing that I have ever seen um, Mary utter the smartest words Mary has ever uttered in her life. And I'll get there in just a second. It's in verse five. Let's go over this real quick. Starting with uh, verse one says this on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Apparently, that's a huge problem back in the day in, the, uh, in, in weddings, because weddings used to go for days, not just, you know, an hour or an afternoon. I mean, these are like week-long events, all right? And so they're on like uh, day four of a week-long thing, and the wine is gone. Verse four says this, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And so his mother said to the servants, and this is the part that I want you to circle, underline, write it down, do whatever you have to do, burn this phrase into your heart, okay? And this is what it says, do whatever he tells you, do whatever he tells you. Mm. I believe that's the gospel, I believe that is the Bible all summed up. And, and Mary did a wonderful job. If Mary was going to be a preacher, she would be like the five-minute boom in, do whatever he says, and then leave. And you'd be like, wow, that was so profound. That was so deep. Do whatever he tells you. I used to say it like this uh, because I believe that some of the versions say this. Listen to him and do what he says. Listen and do what he says. This is, this is everything. This is everything. And now we fast forward a couple years later, and this is the triumphal entry now. And we, so we open up to Mark chapter 11. And before we do that, I want to open us up in prayer. Can I do that real quick? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. An amazing God. Father, I pray that throughout this message, what you will do is that you will give us a heart that is soft enough to listen to your spirit, to listen to your promptings, 
Father, that you would give us the, the strength, the courage to do whatever it is that you tell us to do. And Father, and in doing so, I pray that we become faithful servants of who you are, your mission. Father, like we've seen in the Philippines with uh, Nate, it's amazing what you can do to a willing soul, to somebody that just wants to listen to your word and do what it says. You sent this man around the world to start schools that nobody even thought was possible. Father, we are so grateful that we get to witness that kind of faithfulness, that kind of obedience. And I pray that it, it, it really does strengthen our faith as believers so that way when you ask us to do the things that, that people would look at us and say are crazy, that we would not rest assured in, in, in the opinions of others, but we would rest on the opinion of you and who you say we are. So, Father, I pray that this word goes out today and it burns into our hearts. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all those online, you say, amen. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And I believe you can also find the triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19, but we're not going to go there. We're going to go into Mark, okay? And so um, after I'm done with this through verse 11, matter of fact, you can go home, pick it back up in Luke, I believe, chapter 19, and you can kind of finish the story, okay? And this is the part that I want to focus on right here because I believe this is so amazing. Like I said, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it starts off like this. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem... They came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. So he sent two of his disciples to go ahead of him. And he says, go into the village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Stop there just for a second, okay? Now, remember, they didn't have cars back then, okay? So the donkey was like their car. It was like a transportation device, okay? And not only that, but this thing had zero miles on it. Now, what is a car? What, what is your dream car? Anybody? Somebody yell out a dream car. What is the car that you think is just amazing? 1967 Cheville SS396 is what a fire engine red and the chances of nobody ever driving that and it's sitting there mint and cherry in your driveway. Picture that. Hold on to that thought. Okay. Any others? Who else has got a favorite car out here? Anybody like who's the Lamborghini people? What is it? Oh, okay, a Toyota, okay. And we've got uh, anybody, Ferrari people, Bentley people? Right, there we go. Okay, got one, got one. Okay, so we got a Bentley, we got a, uh, a Toyota, a Forerunner, we got, uh, uh, we've got, um, what did you say again? Chevelle? Ooh, an F-22 Raptor. 
okay? Now, you guys are starting to play along now, okay? You're getting your car in mind, all right? Anybody with the electric car, like a Tesla? No? Who, who, don't you guys care about our environment? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> so anyways, all right, so, so imagine this, okay? You, you are hanging out with Jesus, and Jesus tells you to go into the town, whatever town it is, before he gets there. He says, hey, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go into the town, okay? Go to Grand Ledge, take a right on Madonna, that's my street, and go down a couple blocks, and in the driveway, you'll see a uh, nice little Bentley, never been driven, never been driven. Now, this is what I need you to do. I need you to walk up to the door, knock on the door, when they answer the door, tell them, hey, the Lord sent me to pick up that Bentley. How crazy does that sound? Right? I mean, this is what happened in this story. This is why I love this story so much, okay? And, and I, I, I imagine this as the two people walking to don't do this. Could you imagine if, if like, my kids, I already know, my kids, when I tell them to do something... And even though they do it, they sit there and they talk all this junk while they do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, like, I can't believe they want us to do that. I can't believe Dad said to do this, right? Can you believe this? I can't believe he said to do this. And they just sit there and walk and talk, and, and yet they, they, they do it with obedience. But I've got to imagine that these two disciples probably thought this was the most outrageous thing that anybody's ever told them to do. They're like, hey, you know what? You know we're going to get shot, right? No, we're going to knock on the door, and we're going to tell this guy that we're taking his brand new donkey. And the Lord sent us. And, and there's no way he's going to let us take this. So, I mean, maybe what I'll do is I'll distract him. You take the donkey, untie it, and run. I will sacrifice myself. You don't have to tell him I ain't coming back. Okay? Go get that donkey to Jesus. Hurry up, right? No, this is, it, it, he says this, Jesus has told him, and he, and he gave him instructions. This is what's so cool. He gave him instructions, detailed instructions. If anybody asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. And look at this in verse 4. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. Now, first of all, they get up to the, the, the house or whatever, and they, the, the colt is standing right where Jesus told them it would be standing. This happened. I mean, this is, this is hey, I'd be shocked. I'd be like, man, maybe there is no donkey, right? And we could just tell them it's not our fault, Jesus, right? Maybe you sent us down the wrong street or something. But no, they get up the hill, and there's the donkey tied up just like they said. And as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, hey man, what are you doing untying that donkey? What are you doing untying the colt? That's not your colt. And then they remembered, okay, if anybody asks, we're supposed to say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. So they said what Jesus had told them and they were permitted to take it to their shock they were permitted to take this brand new colt just as jesus told them would happen 
Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields that looked just like that. Jesus was at the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully and everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. I find this story fascinating because we like to complicate the gospel. We like to complicate what it means to serve Jesus. When in reality, all we have to do is listen to him and do what he says. Listen to him and do what he says. There, there comes to be a couple problems in that, right? One is hearing him. One is hearing him. You know, I have, I've been going through uh, some things in, in my life and in my walk over the last uh, few weeks. And my daughter keeps reminding me, you need to listen to God. You need to listen to God. And I got to tell you, you know, as simple as that sounds, it is some of the hardest things in the world to do, to clear out our own voice, to clear out our own doubt, to clear out our own, uh, all the other voices, all the other naysayers, all the other things that happen and, and try to distract from life. And then there's the other aspect, doing it, doing what it is that Jesus said to do. Because I got to tell you, you know what? It's not as easy as everyone wants to make it out to be. Simple does not equate to easy. Simple doesn't mean easy, people. Yeah, these are simple instructions, but these are the hardest things you will ever, ever do. Listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. If we do what God says, do you, do you understand the other aspect of this? That he will do what he says he will do. That's what I get out of this. That he will do exactly the things that he says that he will do. He has illustrated it. Everything to the T. Dr. Quay uh, gave a testimony a few weeks ago. God did everything that he said he was going to do, didn't he? It's simple, but it wasn't easy, was it? That was the hardest year and a half, two years of your life. This thing that we do is not easy. This thing that we do, when we bow our heads and we put our knees down and we ask the Lord into our hearts, this is the hard road. This is the hard thing. This thing is going to test you. This thing is going to challenge you. See, when I read the Bible, I read things like, hey, pick up your cross daily, die to self. That's not an easy road to walk down. That means, oh, yeah, I want to do this in my life, but no, 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 no. The Lord said do this, but I want to do this, though. 
Sometimes I feel like my four-year-old when I talk to the Lord. Elijah, why are you doing that? Because I want to do that. But I told you to do this. But I want to do this. And I find myself having these kind of discussions with my Lord. But I want to do this. I don't want to do that, Lord. Can't you just make an exception? No. No, I can't make an exception. Do you want to know why? Because there is so much more tied to this than just what I can see. See, I'm telling you, there would be no palms and all this other stuff if, if they did not listen to what Jesus said. Why? Because if Jesus would have arrived late, he would have been walking, he wouldn't have been on a donkey. People would be like, why is he walking? Why isn't he on a new colt or something, right? I mean, think about it, man. There are so much attached. And he's willing to use you in his plan. He's willing to use you in his sight, in his vision for what is going to happen in the future. He's willing to use every single one of us. You know what I find so fascinating about the gospel? And this is just kind of a, a, a piggyback over the last uh, week that when I was speaking. God uses the weak not the strong. God uses the weak, not the strong. You know, I, this is how I, could, I can relate to these two disciples. This is why I believe the Lord gave me an insight into these two disciples. I don't believe that these disciples were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to walk down the street and do what he says, right? No, I believe they walked down the street, and they were shocked when they seen the donkey, they were shocked when people actually listened to them after what they said. They were shocked that they were able to take the donkey. They were shocked that they weren't whipped and beaten and shot. They were shocked in this whole process. I feel like that sometimes. Do you feel like that sometimes in your walk with the Lord? See, out of, the, out of everybody in the Bible, I feel like one of these two disciples I believe that the disciples, at the end of the day, were just as weak as me and you. Just as weak as all of us. They had the same doubts as being parents, as being uh, friends, as being uh, followers, as being prayer warriors. They had the same doubts as each and every single one of us. God didn't use superpowers to make everybody believe. He doesn't snap his fingers and make you believe, make you into some super spiritual, super Christian. He doesn't do that. He lets you walk out your walk in your humanity and who you are. I think that's some of the greatest things. I think that's one of the greatest things about who our God is, that he fully understands who you are. He fully understands who I am, yet he has chosen us to do these things. He knows how weak every single one of us are. He knows how, how, how much our, our, we get in our own ways. He knows all of these things, yet he still chooses to believe in us. 
See, before these disciples believed in Jesus, Jesus believed in them and gave them a task. I think that's so wonderful, man. He believes in you. He believes in who you are, in all of your faults, in all of your flaws, in all of your humanity. He believes in you to do the right thing. I know it's hard to live this life. I mean, these guys were just chosen to go out and get a a donkey. But he's chosen you to be mom, to be dad, to be friend, to be husband, to be wife, to be worker, to be co-worker, to be a student. He has chosen you in all of these things to be doctor, to be missionary, to be pastor. He has chosen us and said, do this, do this. Well, I don't know how to do this. I didn't ask you if you knew how to do this. I'll give you the instructions. I just simply need you to listen to me and do what I say. It'll work out. It'll work itself out. See, in our culture, I was talking to my daughter, and, and, I, and I, I, I don't know, something in me just kind of clicked. I was like, man, your, your generation must be so stressed, must be so stressed because you have all the information at the click of a button, and yet you don't have any of the life experience to filter any of it out. So you get all of this information and no wisdom with it, all this knowledge and no wisdom. And I said, man, this is why I I am trying to be your father. In in, in all of this, I am just trying to show you that that let my my experiential knowledge help illuminate your path, the things that I have walked, just just let me shine a light. You don't have to do any of it, but please, just hear me. You have the whole world, you have your whole life ahead of you, and yet it feels like everything has been crashing down on our young people these days. And I got to tell you this, this is what's not very popular in our day and age. It's not very popular to ask people to believe beyond what they can understand. That's not very popular. Why? Because everything is at a click of a button for them. Everything is at a click of a button. So they can get all this information. They can get all this stuff. And they don't know how to filter it. And yet we're asking them, hey, you know what? I want you to believe this and walk this. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says this. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Paul is telling people who think that this, con- uh, this, this, this concept of Christ is, is foolish. That even the things that God does... 
that seem foolish is wiser than our wisest moments. All this is, the, is new to the people of Corinth. Just kind of glance at their point of view. They had no internet. They had no internet. They had no uh, backing. They didn't have the, the Bible to guide them. They didn't know how the story ended. What took more faith, them back then or us today? We know that the Son of God died to free us from the bondage of sin. They had the Son of God walking with them, who is yet to die, who is yet to be crucified, who just got celebrated. I mean, imagine this. He just celebrated this triumphal entry. Isn't this what today is all about, the triumphal entry? Man, in the back of their mind, they never pictured that Jesus would be crucified when he was being celebrated in that moment. A week later, not even a week later, we call it Good Friday. Man, that was probably like Black Friday for them. He died to free the people of the world from sin. But they are confused because in their minds, God is going about this all wrong. Think about it. Like, why, what are we doing? Jesus, what are we doing? Here's the thing. God doesn't use superstars of that day. He doesn't use superstars of this day to promote the gospel. Do you know who he uses? He uses me and you. Me and you. Last time I checked, are there any, any superstars in the house? No, we can be humble enough. Wait, there we go. I got one. Okay, Ben, you're in charge of bringing 100 people next Sunday, okay? Stud, superstar. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 28. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. You know what, I, I, when, I, when I read this verse, I really do, I think of my daughter. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm picking on her today. It's Athena day, all right? Why? Because she is so counter-cultural and she always has been. She didn't fit in, but yet she could fit in. She was the girl who wore mismatched socks and loved it and did it on purpose. She was the girl that had her own style. She was the girl that walked at the, the what do they call it, the beat of her own drum. And I was so excited about that because I believe God chose her to do something so, so special so special that you don't have to fit into this world. This world doesn't know what it's doing. Everybody out here is confused and doesn't know how, what tomorrow holds. Be who God made you to be. Here's the thing that I realize about God. God has an ability to love the unlovable. 
He has the ability to love the reject. I used to do this series on uh, Christmas called uh, Island of the Misfit Toys. Anybody remember that series? Remember the, the, the elf who hated making toys and wanted to be a dentist? Right? Or the guy looking for gold but couldn't find nothing? You know? What, do you end up becoming a singer or something? I mean, <laughs> I mean, they didn't fit into the mold. The world would reject that and say, because you don't fit in anywhere, you don't belong anywhere. But the Lord has this ability to love the unlovable, love the reject, to take the reject, to take the misfit and go, you know what? I have chosen you to be my spokesperson to take the the runt of the litter to become the king of a nation. This is the God that that we serve. To take the ones that, that we would point out and point to and say, no, 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 you're not good enough. Our Lord would say, no, you're just right. You're it. In my mind, I have made you to be countercultural. I have made you to walk against the grain. First Corinthians 1, let's go back to 22 and 23. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Everyone was rejecting this idea of a cross. God uses things that the world thinks is crazy. Do you understand that just the idea of God using a cross is is nuts? How many of you guys have uh, crosses, wearing a cross on their their keychain? How many of you guys are wearing a cross, you have a cross hanging on your wall? Some of you, we, we have T-shirts made with crosses on them. Some of, uh, I know people that have tattoos. I know my boy, he had a, a whole, Jesus like crossed his whole chest. He did. If you're watching, you know who you are. Just think about this for a second. Back then, the cross was like, an electric chair today. That's what we would be worshiping. That's what they, 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 they were, they were like, what are you, what are you doing wearing a cross? I mean, if they looked at us today, they would be, they, their minds would be blown at the fact that we're hung across in a place of worship. But this is what God does. God uses something meant for death meant for destruction, and makes it for his glory, a symbol of hope. This is what he does. So as we walk around thinking we're not good enough, man, you know what? That may be the humble attitude you need to be used by God in this moment right now. We walk around thinking we're not good enough as parents. Man, every parent goes through that. But you know what? That may be the attitude you need right now to hear the voice of God, to give you the instruction that you need.
Why did he do all this? Why not a big flashy show? Why not a big famous person? I remember looking outside my window when I lived in village townhomes. You know, I'd look at the townhomes across the street and I'd wonder, why, why, why can't God just pick up the townhome, shake it up a little bit and set it back down? Then people would be like, oh, look, Jesus is real. Wouldn't that be so much easier than sending me? You know what? If God did that, everybody would reject it. That's the reality. They'd be like, that didn't really happen. That was too crazy. But if they get to see my life, this ordinary person doing extraordinary things, Nate, the guy that we've seen, the missionary that we've seen on, on, on the screen earlier, he grew up in this church. He grew up in that youth group. He was raised in this youth group. He wasn't a great kid. He wasn't a great kid. He wasn't like the star student. He wasn't the star leader and all this stuff. Paul used to pick him up and bring him to church. Comes from a, a, a not a model home. But you know what God did? God used a broken life. To show people that there is a hope, that there is something amazing installed with every single one of us. And that means so much more than using the star athlete and the star student and all this other stuff. The people who have been given everything. God took the person who was a reject, a misfit. See, sometimes we think those words are bad, right? No. No. They're not. Those are the things that the Lord has chosen to be amazing. The ordinary, when it's teamed up with Jesus, becomes extraordinary. I think that's so good. He did this, why? Because he loves each and every single one of us. He loves those that are online. He loves you. He wants to use you. He wants you to see how good he really is. Not just talk about it. We do a lot of talking in Christianity. We got a lot of Christianities or whatever. That's, that's Christian speak, right? We have a lot of this stuff. But the reality is he wants you to know without a shadow of a doubt that he is good. And the way he wants you to know is by showing you that he is good. Paul is reminding us that intellect, reasoning, superstars, heroes are not needed by God to impact our world. What's needed is the everyday people doing ordinary things, mixing it with the Holy Spirit and watching it become extraordinary. That's what's needed. We don't need to be popular. We don't need to be smart. We don't need to be good looking, but it helps. I'm just saying. Ain't that right, Christina? All right. We don't need to have all the answers to impact our world. All we need is an open heart. All we need is an open ear to be able to hear the voice of Jesus. 
and then be obedient to what he says. Listen to God. Do what he says. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 through 5, and I'll end with this. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Amen to that. But with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Amen? God is reminding us, or Paul is reminding us that God used common, ordinary people to make a difference. If I can have the worship team come on up. I want you guys to take one of these. And I want you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We've got them on every table on the way out. And I want you to allow God to use you in a mighty way. Those that are online, we're going to post these online too. And you can go through and share. First Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and let me ask you these questions real quick. Do you ever think that you are nothing compared to other Christians around you, to other believers? You ever look at people and think they're superstars and how could I ever measure up to that? If you ever answer yes to that, then here's the reality. God can use you. Remember this, that, that Christ died for you. Take that, make it personal. Christ died for you. You ever feel like you don't have the right words or the ability to speak about Jesus? You just get lost? Good news. If you answer yes to that, reality is, is that God can use you. God can use you. Matter of fact, God has chosen you. I look in the Bible and I see people like Moses who had a stuttering problem. That wouldn't have been the spokesperson I would have chose, but that's the spokesperson that God chose. I want these seats to be full on Easter. I will present the gospel. I'll fumble through a message. And I believe that we can trust that the Holy Spirit will do the work. I want to give you two things this week. One is you matter cards. Take some more of those. And two, Easter invites. Invite people. Tell them, no, we got an Easter egg hunt. 
I'm not above bribing people to get to church. <laughs> we got an Easter egg hunt. Bring your kids, have fun. Dinner giveaways for both new people and not so new people. We got this, people. We got this. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would put somebody in our minds that we want to invite, that you want us to invite. Father, I pray that we would open up our ears, open up our hearts to hear from you. And I pray that you would give us the strength to be obedient, that we would walk in this obedience, that we would see that you are faithful, that you are true, that you are almighty. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we give you the glory, Lord, as we all stand up and we sing together this last song. Thanks for joining us. I hope this message blessed you. Our goal is to connect you to God's people, God's word, and his mission for your life. You can find out more about us at glfirst.org. Again, that's glfirst.org. Hope to see you next week. God bless.